Welcome to the Cold Brew Podcast. We are live from Nashville, Tennessee, sitting here at First Horizon Park. Uh, Nashville Suns wanted us down. Dave Gasper here with you. Matt Carroll joins me as always. Matt, we're down here in Tennessee, and I saw the radar. It is <laughs> raining back home, and here it is a beautiful 80-something degrees, barely a cloud in the sky, and Matt, I am much happier to be here. Uh, yeah, we've got, what's that, a 40-degree difference, I think, based off what I saw. Sorry, everyone, uh, but not really. No, it is gorgeous. Um, we, both of us got in yesterday. Um, we were just kind of doing separate things, but uh, it was also, I mean, 70s yesterday. It's been nice and warm. Uh, batting practice is currently being taken on the field. Just, oh, my gosh, this is just a dream for a baseball fan right now. Yeah, one of the most beautiful ballparks in minor league baseball, First Horizon Park, here in downtown Nashville. We got the giant guitar scoreboard behind us here. Uh, recording, uh, we're recording from the band box uh, out here, which is uh, behind the left field wall. And uh, I believe it was John Singleton uh, just uh, crushed one over here in our general area. I've got the ball right here, by the way. Uh, we ha- we have recovered that, so. Uh, it's fun, man. We are here all weekend. Um, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a good time. And uh, Nashville's taking on the the Charlotte Knights, the uh, AAA affiliate of the Chicago White Sox. And I was able to, to get in for for last night's game. Like my flight landed. I mean, it, it was delayed a half hour to start with. And you know, it was just kind of plane coming in, didn't come in until a little bit later. And then finally, you know, I get in. I immediately call an Uber. I Uber to the hotel. I drop my stuff off, and then like I just drop it on the bed, and then I just leave. And then I just I just sprint walk. I did not sprint. I fast walked as much as I could from my hotel to the ballpark. It's like a 15-20 minute walk, and I got here just in time for the national anthem on Josh Lindblom Day. Remember him, friend of the podcast. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and he pit. Oh, I missed the line. What the final line was for him? Um, he went five and a third, or five and two thirds, I believe. Gave up. I, I think he had two runs. As soon as he gave up the first one, uh, he was in some trouble there in the uh, sixth uh, or fifth or sixth, and he uh, gave up a run. Rick Sweet took him out, brought in Rex Brothers, and things really kind of unraveled from there. Ended up being a five-run inning for Charlotte, but only two runs were charged to. Uh, Josh Lindblom, uh, but I mean overall he was looking pretty solid through the first part of the game, and things just kind of unraveled there uh, in the middle innings, and uh, bullpen couldn't get it done. So you know it was it was mostly slow night outside of that, but still kind of great to see him out on the mound. Yeah, and uh, we had a I know I was happy because we had a uh, Mario Feliciano single I believe at some point. I'm always yeah. Glad to see my guy get hits. No Bryce Trang last night. I imagine we've got him in. I was so disappointed when I saw tonight. that. Yeah. Uh, wasn't in the lineup last night, so I imagine we get him tonight for Ethan Small Day. That is that is a heck of a day for uh, to be coming in for my first game, I know. So I'm pumped, looking forward to that. Don't know if we've got Singleton or White starting at first. Could have one at DH anyway. Um it should be an exciting lineup to watch tonight. I'm I'm very much looking forward to this. Yeah, it is Ethan Small Day here in Nashville. The perfect day for us to come down. We're we're two bit two pretty big prospect guys, um, and there are few bigger prospects in the Brewer system than Ethan Small, despite what his name may suggest. 
Everyone has made that pun before. I apologize for making it. I'm not the first to make it. I won't be the last. It's just... It, it happens. But Ethan Small, uh, very excited to see him pitch uh, today. And uh, it's going to be a beautiful night, man. Beautiful night for baseball out here in Nashville. Uh, taking on Charlotte. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we get Bryce Terang back out there. We got some Mario Feliciano. Yeah, I got a, a single yesterday. Uh, he was looking good. Yeah. Um, it was interesting. Alex Jackson, not yesterday, but the day before, had a big, uh, I think his first home run with the team. So um, the catcher's starting to put in some offensive work here, it looks like. Um, and as we know, I have a type that's offensive catchers. So they, they need to show offense, though, for that to uh, kind of actually work. But um, anyway, no, it, I mean, I, I can't say enough about this place right now. Like, looking around and it just kind of bars off in the distance. I can't tell if that, those ones are attached or not. or if that's Oh, yeah, they are. The, the, right, the okay. sound's on them, yeah. Nice. Yeah, so you've got a few different bar options you could go into, seating options you could go into. Here in the right field corner where we are, um, there's some kind of like high-top tables it looks like maybe. Um, just, oh, just a great atmosphere. And then we actually walk by, um, If for anyone who does get the chance to come down here, there's, as is common with minor league teams there's a lot of kind of side entertainment some mini golf some bags or cornhole depending on you know how you feel about that um i saw giant connect four looks like i call it cornhole though i i'm bags i've always been bags i don't know if it's really a, yeah i don't like i don't know if it's a northern wisconsin thing was it it's got to be northern wisconsin thing because i mean i grew up in the in the suburbs of milwaukee so i'm a southeastern wisconsin dude i've always called it cornhole Maybe it was a Madison thing, too, because that, technically that's where I picked it up, was Madison. So. That might be it. Yeah. A bunch of weird people live in Madison, you know. I, I live in Madison now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you for making my point. I appreciate that. Oh, man. We, we need to put up a poll or something on that. Bags or cornhole? What is yeah. it? Yeah, that'll be coming. That Actually, we'll, uh, should we put that up today, and then when people get to listen to the episode, they'll know why? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we should, yeah, we should put that up in a little bit here. All right. Incoming. Incoming poll, uh, although by now, by the time you're listening to this podcast, you'll probably have already seen it. Um, but yeah, so we're down here in Nashville. We're having a great time. Uh, it's going to be a, a really fun weekend. we got Ethan Small going today. we got Caleb Bosley, my old college teammate, going tomorrow. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun, for me at least. You might not care as much. Uh, <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> Always care. Pride of Hortonville, right? Yeah, Pride of Hortonville. There we go. Um, yeah, so it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun here. There's also uh, some brewers that we do have to talk, some big league brewers. Uh, and number one, which also may be impacting the Nashville Sounds here pretty soon, Luis Arias is finally ready to go on a rehab assignment. It's been a long uh, wait, or much longer than anticipated. Arias suffered that quad injury on, I believe, the second game of spring training. Um, so he missed pretty much all of the Cactus League, and now he's finally ready to go on a rehab assignment. And they're actually starting him out in Double A Biloxi on Saturday here, which upsets me a little bit because I would have loved <laughs> to see him come out here in Nashville while we we're down here. That would have been amazing. Uh, but instead, they start him down in Double A, kind of building him back up, trying to get him those reps uh, against that lower level pitching, and then, and then work his way up. Because for a guy like Urias, who missed pretty much all of spring training. This is as much about getting him reps and getting him to just kind of see pitching and work his way up on the quality of pitching as it is testing out that quad. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, it got delayed quite a bit. I, I know Council had mentioned previously that, you know, they are hoping that maybe they'd see him back in that second or third series. Obviously, we ended up finding out as we were getting closer to that series that uh, that wasn't going to be the case. Just quite, It's funny because quad injuries don't feel like they should be that intense of an injury compared to maybe some other ones, ligament injuries or other soft tissue injuries. Um, but, you know, uh, Kane had that one that just nagged him for a while. And now um, Urias, you know, his quad injury lasted quite a bit longer too, but finally able to see some games. Um, surprising too, considering the fact that, and I didn't see a potential corresponding move, but the Brewers had just traded away Dustin Peterson. So it's not like they didn't have the empty roster spot for the sounds. Again, I didn't see if uh, anyone else got bumped up after that um, due to all the traveling and stuff we've been doing lately. Um, but yeah, it would have been nice to see him here, but hey, I mean, anything that it goes towards him getting back on the field, that's positive. We will absolutely take that at this point. Yeah, and fellow friend of the podcast, Garrett Green, he's going to enjoy seeing yeah. Luis Arias down there. Uh, I know he was kind of rubbing it in a little bit on, on Twitter yesterday uh, to me, but uh, still, I think we're going to see him here in Nashville eventually. And yeah, that's those are a couple other things I think we got to talk about here as we're down here in Nashville. Two Nashville Sounds have been traded away in the last week or so. Jamie Westbrook. Uh, getting traded to the Detroit Tigers, and then Dustin Peterson going to the Phillies, uh, both going for cash. Peterson, an outfielder, Westbrook, an infielder slash outfielder. Um, and really, it was just, uh, as Davis Vince kind of said, it was more about doing right by the player. I mean, these are guys who kind of deserve some decent playing time, and it was very crowded position player group down here in Nashville trying to get everyone playing time, and they just weren't able to get it here, so they get new opportunities elsewhere in, in different organizations. Yeah, it, for a player like I, I, Westbrook, I'm trying. Did we touch on him last week? I almost felt like we did. We might have. Yeah, uh, we, we got to touch on him again because we're down here in Nashville. Yeah, yeah, naturally, naturally. But Westbrook, in in, in case we didn't mention it, um, I I felt like he had a chance of making the Brewers last year, but Jace Peterson kind of did Jace Peterson things. He did his on base Jace things uh, that he's hasn't been doing in 2022 which we'll get to um and i think that honestly might have been what prevented westbrook from getting that chance for a call-up with peterson we know the brewers have outfield depth um they have outfielders ahead of him they have obviously all those young names below him there's a player like david Dahl who is also here in nashville is still here in nashville at this point um who the brewers like and he may have been the one to get first crack if they actually had to dip into that talent pool anyway um, but keep in mind, too, we're about to hit May here, and Major League rosters are about to shrink a couple spots. And so, you know, someone from up there is potentially going to come back down, likely pitchers because the Brewers did go pitcher-heavy uh, with their two extra roster spots. But that's already going to make it a little bit tight in terms of opportunities for players. So, you know, when something is needed you're probably going to have like a Pablo Reyes coming up first so at what point was Dustin Peterson actually going to get a chance um, but he deserves one so it's nice that the Brewers like you said did do right by him and send him to a team where he might actually have an opportunity and hopefully he does get one there yeah I mean that, that's something that I mean for all these guys I mean they're pushing to get to that big league spot as much as you know they enjoy uh, being in Nashville or wherever else they'd really love to be with a major league team more and uh, it's just that fight to, to keep on moving up, and uh, it was just kind of not there for Peterson. It wasn't really there for Westbrook either. 
uh, so they get new opportunities with organizations where they really should get, uh, or, they, or they really could get solid chances uh, to be at the big league level. Uh, we got a you know bunch of guys down here in Nashville that are fighting for that same opportunity, and if and if something pops up, uh, they're going to have to be ready. I mean, the Brewers pride themselves on depth. We've talked about that at length. You know, in the David Stearns era, it's all about depth on that roster, and this is where a lot of that depth is stored. I mean, you got Pablo Reyes, as you mentioned. You got Mark Mathias, uh, who played yesterday at second base. Um, you got uh, Corey Ray, also on the 40-man roster. Um, you have a, a number of options down here uh, that are really going to be uh, future big leaguers or coming back to the big league roster. And it's really kind of all about just making sure these guys stay ready uh, to be called up whenever the Brewers need them. Yeah, and keep in mind, too, Bryce Strang is now getting work in the outfield uh, about once a week as well. And so, you know, not to say that they would call him up specifically as an outfielder, but I think that moves him significantly up the depth chart in terms of, you know, guys who are going to get first crack at being called up to the Brewers. It seems like they, they're, they're trying to get him ready for that chance. And so you think he gets that before potentially some others. As young as he is, and as crazy as that might be for a guy who's is 22, is he? Yeah. That, I mean, that that's insane just to think about. But, I mean, that's how much he's impressed at really every level with, you know, a little bit of slow starts in between. But, um, I mean, he's showing what he needs to show. So, yeah, it just there's going to be other players that get those chances first, and so um, don't be surprised to you know potentially see other little moves like that, uh, so that the Brewers can kind of start to make room for their other young prospects that they want to see even more out of. Uh, who knows? You know, Joey Weimer has been crushing it again at double double A. That was one you know question, if any, that we had about a player like him. Um, is once he hit you know that really big increased level in competition what was he going to do he's passed all the tests so far i don't think it would be absolutely that unheard of for him to eventually make his way up to triple a probably not the big leagues but you know maybe a second half of the season type thing and so um those are the types of guys that the brewers eventually are going to want to start gauging as to you know how close are they really to actual major league service time yeah it it's uh a good problem to have, I guess, yeah. if you're the if you're the Brewers and having got, having guys like uh, Joey Weimer, Garrett Mitchell, uh, working the way up there through Double A. I know the the sounds are keeping their eyes on those guys as well. Because I mean, you got I mean, the big prospects here in Nashville are Ethan Small and Bryce Terang at the top, uh, Mario Feliciano below them. Uh, I mean, then then you got Corey Ray as well, um, and you have you know some. Uh, Former big leaguers, you know, some guys who are some uh, who have a lot of big league experience, who aren't necessarily prospects anymore, uh, but you got former big leaguers mixed in there. Um, so there's a lot of like depth in there mixed with a couple of prospects. Um, but the the guys like your Terangs and your Ethan Smalls, Tennessee native Ethan Small, uh, those are the guys that also are gonna bring people out to the ballpark as well. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. Um, it's it certainly doesn't hurt to give more exposure to some of those guys when you know you're trying to create a, an experience for the fans of these minor league teams. So um, 
eventually that's why you know yet another reason why you could eventually see you know some of those guys who are higher up on the prospect list starting to make their way up but you have to make room on the roster to do that and so could a player like a like i absolutely obviously hate to say it a luke barker who has been at 100% deserving of a major league shot at this point. Agreed. Yeah, 100%. We've both been very open about that fact. Um, but what if Abner Uribe gets to the point where, you know, Craig Council said at the beginning, uh, before the season, that that's a guy who, you know, could end up making a difference in the major league sooner than a lot of people think. He's going to need to work his way closer. Could you end up seeing a player like a Luke Barker end up falling into the same fate as a Dustin Peterson or a Jamie Westbrook, you know, and get traded to a team where he might get more of an opportunity. Again, we both hope that opportunity is with the Brewers, but that's just an, an example of the types of guys to potentially look out for and see, you know, some more of these, you know, little moves for cash that would potentially get made. Yeah, and that's, uh, you know, really kind of the struggle with a lot of the the minor leagues is, you know, kind of working these guys through and, uh, you know, you have guys that are deserving of opportunities and just trying to find one for them. Um, and, you know, that's where uh, things really kind of get a lot of fun with, with going to see minor league baseball. And uh, that's why everyone really should go out and see uh, some of the Brewers farm system uh, teams. You know, come out and see the Nashville Sounds. You know, go up and see the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers and the... Uh, Carolina Mudcats and the Biloxi Shuckers and go and visit those guys. And you can see the, those potential future brewers uh, coming up through the system. And that's always uh, always really exciting to do, always really exciting to see. Um, meanwhile, back at the big league club, there was a whole bunch of consternation among fans. Through the, yeah, big word. <laughs> big word on the Cold Brew Podcast here today. Consternation. That is our word of the day, yeah. I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, by, by default. Nashville got us open up the vocabulary, that's for sure. Yeah. And uh, so there's a whole bunch of consternation about the team's start to the season. And now entering this uh, three-game set against the Phillies, the Brewers are on a four-game winning streak. And it's like, hmm, how, why were we so concerned again? Um, because we like to freak out about things when only seven or so games have been played oh no okay um i mean that can't be it no of course not for the most part it was the pitching staff um we had seen you know the brewers starters who you know anyone who has paid attention to the brewers knows is their bread and butter this year and that first run through the rotation not so hot for all of them i mean the best one was corbin burns in that uh opening day start went Five innings, three earned runs. Not horrible, but certainly not Corbin Burns-like. He didn't look Corbin Burns-like. and that kind of He just, walked the first guy he saw. Yeah, very un-Corbin Burns-like. Um, obviously, now that we've gone through the rotation another time and we're about halfway through the third pass, things looking a little bit better, I would say. And by no coincidence, things looking better for the Brewers as a whole. Yeah, it is, uh, it is looking up and... You know, the big thing with everyone has been the offense. We need the offense to get going. We need Christian Yelch to get going. We need Kesson here to get going. And that's that's just kind of the big source of concern for, for many. And then Christian Yelich comes up uh, earlier in the week here with the bases loaded, and everyone's like, oh, boy, am I going to get disappointed again? <laughs> and then Christian Yelich 
goes back to being the Christian Yelch of old, hitting a grand slam, and all of a sudden all the troubles, all the worries have gone away, and Christian Yelch is officially back. But can we say Christian Yelch is officially back based on one grand slam? Um, just as much as we shouldn't say Christian Yelich was gone after a slow start to the season, no, probably not. Um, but there are definitely a lot of positive signs to look at when it comes to Yelich. And uh, Josh Waldock, one of our contributors, um, had put out a good piece recently digging into some of the um, StatCast numbers for him. The most important thing is his hard hit rate. He is absolutely torching the ball right now. I mean, he is just... As obviously we saw with the um, Grand Slam itself, but I mean we had also seen a couple doubles before that that it looked like he almost poked through the wall itself. <laughs> they ended up hitting it so hard. Um, he's up there in the you know top few percent in hard hit rate, in barrels, in exit velocity. Um, exactly, those are the types of things that you want to see because even if he's not necessarily poking every single thing out, it means that he's more confident with his swing. That he's not he's not tentative, he's not rolling over as much because he's unsure. Um, you, you have to start somewhere, and that's absolutely a good base to start from. Um, he's also not chasing. Um, his chase rate, I've seen it float around a few different times on Twitter, um, is among the lowest in um, of all qualified hitters. And so, you know, you add those two things together, and that's where, you know, you could say, are we on the verge of a potential Christian Yelich breakout? I think we absolutely could be close. Is he all the way back? No. Let's, we'll, we'll, we need some more sustained success to be able to see it. But, oh, man, has he looked really good lately. Yeah, he, he's looking a lot better. A lot better than last year. A lot better than 2020. Although, those yeah. are fairly low bars. Yeah. Uh, but still... Uh, yeah, not chasing as much. I still don't enjoy the, hey, here's a fastball right down the middle, and I'm going to watch it go by without even swinging. I don't enjoy that. But, again, I mean, those are – it's it's April. You know, it's yeah. we can say that with the struggles as much as we can say that with the successes. It is April. It is early. Uh, we can't definitively say he's back. We can't definitively say he's not back yet. Uh, we've still got a ways to go there. Uh, but, yeah. All signs are pointing up right now. The home run certainly helped because, you know, you can hit the ball hard all you want. If it goes straight into the ground, really what's like what's the use? You know, you, you, you chop it right into the ground. It ends up going to the second baseman. It's a ground out. And it's like, oh, it's a 107-mile-an-hour exit below. Who noticed? Like, you know, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day if you're not getting on base. Um, so, you know, now that he's getting the ball in the air a little bit more, he's hitting some hard line drives. You know, he had a couple that could have been home runs. They had the power for it. They had the exit velo for it, just not enough air underneath them. And they hit just below the wall, uh, just below the top of the wall. So, I mean, he could have had that first home run earlier, just missed it with the with the launch angle. I know he's not trying for it, but that's something also to, to consider uh, as we look at Yelich. Exactly. No, that and that's exactly where I was going to go, too, um, is, you know, I'm sure for the most part right now, he's just focusing on being comfortable, getting good contact on balls and getting good results out of them. Once he gets that on a consistent basis is that maybe when you start to see him try and elevate just a little bit more. And then we start to see, you know, some of these close calls start to actually go out. And remember, you know, in his 2018 MVP season, I think it was he had through the end of 
uh, through the first month of the season, he only had like two or three homers. Um, he really was a second half beast that season. And so he, you know, we could potentially see the same thing happen this year. He starts to roll, starts to roll, and then all of a sudden he just makes that one slight adjustment and just becomes a monster. But we got to get to that consistent part first. And we've seen it before. We've seen it multiple seasons before. So obviously we know we can do it. He's just got to put it into play. Yeah, and that's that's just going to be key for the Brewers because they are really depending on a bounce back from Yelich this year. I mean, you, you look at the thing, the moves that they made in the offseason uh, with McCutcheon and Renfro, uh, I mean, those are, you know, solid additions, but, I mean, given what they lost, you know, how much did the Brewers really gain offensively? Uh, that's been the concern among many on Twitter that I've seen. And Yelich, he's, you know, they're, they're really banking on him to, to get back to form. Same thing goes for Keston Hira. Keston Hira, who also hit a home run the other day, to the opposite field. Yeah. And Oppo Taco taking an outside pitch, Going to the opposite field, hitting for power. For for Kesson Hira, that is a very, very, very good sign that he's able to do that. Because previously, those pitches on the outside corner, he would try to pull and he'd end up either whiffing or hitting a weak ground ball, rolling over on it. So now that he's taken it from the opposite field, or from the outside corner to the opposite field with power, that, that makes me happy. Yeah, I mean, with really with both of those players, that's the type of thing that you want to see because it means that it's just yet another sign that they're feeling comfortable with where they're at. For Keston Hira, that can only open up more possibilities for him in terms of playing time because Rowdy Telez, he's looked solid to begin this season. I mean, he, he he's getting close to the point where you're going to have to make the case of do you make this guy an everyday player. I know you wanted to start off platooning the two guys, um, and it, which is... You know, say what you will about that, considering the fact that um, Telez almost has, I mean, he does have reverse splits. Gears really aren't that terrible himself, if I remember correctly. Um, so doing a traditional platoon with them, you can argue whether or not that's actually smart just based off of the numbers. But Rowdy Telez, just because of his sheer production, the fact that, I mean, he's now the, the, the leader for the team in home runs after having a couple in that Pirate series... He's making a very strong case for everyday playing time. Um, and eventually, you know, once you get past that first month, that second month of the season, you, you, you have to, as a manager in Craig Council, decide, you know, is, is that what I have to do with some of these players instead of continuing this platoon? So for Hira to get those good at-bats, that's where he might, you know, end up with extra opportunities as a DH. Uh, to give McCutcheon a breather, as a second baseman to give Wong a breather, you know, even out there in right field if, you know, Hunter Renfro needs a day off, um, because he did get a little bit of that outfield work this offseason. Um, I don't think they'll do that too terribly often, but you, you, you never know. Um, he may need to play himself into playing time, and so doing things like going the opposite field with three-run homer um, at a very important time in the game, that's only going to make a strong case for him as well. Yeah, it's uh, it's tough decisions for for Craig Council. Uh, if he can uh, get all those guys rolling at the same time, uh, how are you going to fit them all into the lineup? The DH certainly helps uh, to to fit those guys in. Um, and if they can just get them rolling um, and really kind of you know see those numbers pump up and and actually uh, be kind of looking good overall from everybody uh, and getting into a groove, uh, that offense is really going to be in a good spot. So. It's uh, it's just a matter of getting there. You know, again, it's still early in the season, 
Um, but some positive signs for a lot of these guys. Uh, Rowdy Tillez coming up big, uh, as we've mentioned. So it's a uh, it's you know it's a good time. All things are rolling. All things are rolling. You got a four-game winning streak. You're going up against the Phillies now. We got Sunday night baseball yeah. going up here. We got we got national coverage coming up. That's going to be interesting. I'm a little surprised by it, but uh, you know why Brewers Phillies? But hey, I, I suppose all all press is good press. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and by the way, I can't believe we've gone this entire time with failing to mention the Brewers are tied for first again in the NL Central. So. That is what this has all led to. We're back on top. I don't um, even look at the standings until May. I mean, uh, no, neither do I. But I mean, but yeah, you did. Yeah, I sure did. But ah. <laughs> yes. All right, you got me. Gotcha. But anyway, the, the, my my point being, if if you're gonna freak out about the Brewers not being in first after a week, then you have to be ha- happy that they're in first now, right? If you're that type of person. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's. It is better than being in last, you know, that that is for sure. Um, and you cannot win the division in April, but you can lose it. Um, so that is a very important distinction. Like the Reds, who are 2-11. and 11. <laughs> They're 2-11? and 11? Yeah. They ha- that is the worst record in baseball. I mean, I'm not surprised, given the way they sold off literally everyone who was valuable on that team. Like, there is nobody left, but only two wins... I feel so bad for, for Reds fans, man. Reds fans are actually good, solid fans. They deserve far better than this. Yeah, Joey Votto deserves better than this. Yeah. I mean, the guy's going to retire soon. Uh, he should be able to go out on a at least somewhat close to winning team. And, my God, trade the guy at the deadline if this is what you're going to do. Like, at least give him a chance for something. I swear to God, if he ends up on the Dodgers as well. <laughs> That just feels like such a Dodgers thing. We already have Freddie Freeman. Why not let's add Joey Votto because we're the Dodgers and we can do it. I, I, just, I just have this weird feeling that that's going to happen. For, like They'll have him DH or something. They'll, they'll just make it work because they can. Yeah, maybe that's the next poll. Where does Joey Votto end up at the trade deadline? Los Angeles Dodgers, New York Yankees, New York Mets... That might be a solid three right there. I mean, those yeah. are, that's that's the triumvirate of evil, basically, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Well, I don't want to say the Cubs, but I just said it anyways. But, yeah. Yeah, I've, I'm tired of, of playing against him in the NL Central enough as it is. I don't need to see him going there either. But I could see, but the Cubs are also in that quadrant of evil, I guess. Yeah, they just won't likely be competitive they're now we're to the brewers are two games up on them they've kind of settled in a little bit closer to what's expected again still early just like everyone else but uh i i would hope that we don't have to worry about them being in a position where they would be desiring a mid-season addition to try and make a playoff run let's let's just not even entertain that idea right now yeah let's let's skip on past that because it's probably not going to happen anyways uh, we are down here again in Hit City, in Music City, in Nashville, here at First Horizon Park, uh, watching the Nashville Sounds take on the Charlotte Knights uh, this weekend here on the Cold Brew Podcast. Uh, we may end up having a uh, may end up having some chats with some players this weekend. Haven't had anything confirmed yet, uh, but we will certainly uh, try uh, to get some players on at some point this weekend. Uh, they may not be, you know, included in this episode specifically, 
Uh, we may just kind of put those up as separate interviews, uh, separate episodes going up later on. Um, but uh, it would be it'd be a lot of fun to be able to, to talk to a couple guys. I mean, the Brewers have a number of guys down here in Nashville. It is Ethan's small day here on Friday, so he is certainly unavailable to us uh, today. But perhaps some point this weekend, uh, fingers crossed. Uh, but no promises, all right? So I don't want anyone coming after me uh, if, if we don't get him. So uh, it, is a, it is a good time down here in Nashville. Matt, what time did you get in yesterday? Uh, we rolled in, I want to say like 6 or so, 6 p.m. And I, I will say, um, for anyone who's considering, you know, wanting to visit Nashville, it is, it, especially if you're from, you know, right around Milwaukee, it is not a terrible trek. Um, it took us, we left a little after 8, so I want to say it took close to 10 hours, really only because there were a couple traffic kind of incidents along the way. We hit Nashville rush hour traffic. I also oh, don't no. want to hear anyone complain about Milwaukee traffic ever again, because Nashville, we passed through Chicago, like, those are cities with actual rough traffic. Milwaukee's got nothing on those cities. But, um, yeah, I mean, for a destination where you want to make it in one day without having to stop at a hotel you know we were able to do it get here in time to go out and grab some lunch and that or dinner i should say and then actually hit up broadway street at the end of the night so that was all in the same day so if you're ever considering wanting to take in some sounds games but are worried that's a little far away just make a road trip of it get a hotel night for a couple nights and come visit the beautiful stadium and it's it is that is not a terrible um, trip to make, I will tell you. Much easier than trying to go to Biloxi or Zebulon or, you know, not necessarily Appleton. That's yeah. a bit easier. Appleton's, yeah, Appleton's a little bit easier. Yeah, but... Um, Depending on where you are. True, very true. But, uh, no, Nashville's a beautiful city. Um, I would encourage anyone who's got the itch to do it, give it a shot. It's it's not a bad trek at all. Yeah, I went down to... Uh, I walked down to Broadway today for, for lunch, uh, you know, find a place to eat and you know, it, it's almost a little tough because, like, it's a Friday afternoon uh, during, like, at, like, 1230. So, like, everyone's out trying to get lunch. All, like, the big places, like Luke Bryan's place is pretty much full. Jason Aldean's is pretty much full. Uh, a lot of the country music superstars have their own bars and restaurants down here. Uh, I ended up going to a Broadway brew house. Okay. Get myself, yeah, had some nice lunch there. It was good. Uh, it wasn't too crowded. Uh, I think it was only because they didn't have live music. Everywhere else pretty much has has a live band in the window. Yep. Um, but hey, I was hungry and I'm just like I don't feel like waiting an hour for food. So, but there are plenty of options down there in Broadway. It is great. I mean, you got party buses going up and down the street. Um, bachelor parties, bachelorette parties, a lot more bachelorette parties than yep. bachelor parties. <laughs> I, I I noticed, but uh, yeah, it is. It is a great city, man. It is a great city to come visit. I love, I love it here. Uh, I've, I've come down to visit a, a number of times, but this is my first time being able to go to a Sounds game uh, up here. You know, previous times when I've come down, it's either been during the off season or the Sounds were on the road. So this is my first time being able to actually get in here for uh, some games. And this ballpark, man, it is absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. Oh God. I was just, I, literally as you were saying that. I'm, staring at the just uh, almost unnaturally green grass that they have on the field right now. Um, I will say, by the way, um, about Broadway, I don't know what it looks like during the day, but at night, that is a Bourbon Street, State Street-esque style just party. 
Oh yeah, it's it's the same during the day. Okay. Like like so many people just like waiting on the crosswalks, waiting for like the crosswalk sign to go across, and just it is it is a whole bunch of people on the streets uh, at all times, going between stores and bars and restaurants, and just nonstop parties. Man, it is fun. Yeah, I it, it, that's impressive then, because at the very least, even like Bourbon Street down in New Orleans, like that's quiet during the day, because they basically are every single day cleaning up from the night before. Um, and it becomes actual, you know, automobile traffic until the nighttime when they shut it all down. Um, yeah, so for Broadway to be packed day and night is, that's saying something. Shout out, by the way, to Layla's Honky Tonk. That's where we ended up at the night, last night, and that place was fantastic. It's, uh, most of the other places, like you mentioned, the, you know, the ones that have Luke Bryan's or Jason Aldean's or Miranda Lambert's or whoever's all had giant, uh, lines out that you had to wait and get into um my wife's drink at we went to dirk's bentley's her drink that was rail vodka was 15 dollars uh so if you go to one of those uh that have a country star's name attached to them just know that the place we went to much more reasonable um tiny it looked like kind of you know almost like a dive bar from uh, from Wisconsin, but a little bit more packed, and they had, the band that was playing was just out of this world, just incredible. Um, yeah, can't say enough, Broadway's got to be the first place you hit up if you want activity when you come down here, but we were actually, uh, my wife and I were today, we went to a little um, place just outside of Vanderbilt University, there's a little street that runs in between that and Belmont University, actually, I didn't realize how many colleges there were in Nashville. Yeah. Yeah, tons of them. Um, but we went to a little place to let us take the dog on the patio, and that was kind of a you know nice little getaway outside of the downtown area. But, I mean, there's just a ton to explore that we haven't even touched on yet. So, great, great destination. The ballpark's a great destination. Highly encouraged. 10 out of 10 would recommend. Yeah, and uh, when I was at uh, the Broadway Brew House, my beers, $5. Oh, nice. And they had Summer Shandy on tap. Wow! I know. I was surprised. I was I was looking down all all the all the tap beers that they had, and it's like okay, you know they got you know your basic you know your Miller lights, your Bud lights, all those. You got all these other ones, you know your IPAs, your craft beers, stuff like that. And I see they they had Liney Summer Shandy. I'm just like, well, this is perfect. You know, I I can't pass that up. Right? No, absolutely. I mean, I was just going regular Miller Lite to start, and then I started hitting up the uh, the. I, I mean, you're in Tennessee, Kentucky, that area, you gotta have bourbon, right? Oh, yeah. So, I had gone, I think it was Old Smoky was what I ended up with last night. That was some, that was some quality. That was, oh, and speaking of, we got Old Smoky uh, advertisements here. There we go. That must be the thing down here. But, uh, no, that was, that was great. But, uh, man, oh, by the way, and I had told um, uh, David and everyone from the site about this, just so happened last night at that honky tonk bar we were at found the one cubs fan in nashville wow sees the brewer's hat asks about it starts chatting baseball a little bit and then mentions that he's a cubs fan what are the freaking odds i will give the guy credit though he was he was a nice guy didn't uh didn't try and start anything like many cubs in fact i just saw a video of fighting in the stands at Wrigley Field, so you know what can possibly happen sometimes, but nah, this was a solid guy, so chatted baseball a little bit, and uh, uh, it was good times, but yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's always a fun time down here in Nashville. Uh, we're excited to be down here. 
Um, you know, there's uh, this game's gonna be getting started shortly, as we said before. Ethan Small Day uh, down here in Nashville. Um, so, is there anything else, Big League Brewers? We got to talk here. Um, I mean, we. I suppose we I'm, should, I'm drawing a blank. We should pretty quickly mention, I suppose, the occasion of Josh Hader's hundredth save. Oh yes, that was a pretty big deal. The other day, came in, thought we weren't gonna have a chance at it for a second, and then. Uh, um, Devin Williams uh, ended up having another little bit of a rough outing-ish. Um, uh, looked much better in his couple since then, um, but did end up escaping with the lead, and Hader ends up getting the chance to come in for the save and puts it away. Just beautiful. And I um, had the pleasure of being on the score Wisconsin on Thursday, actually, while we were driving down to Nashville, um, and they asked, posed the question, is Josh Hader the best closer in Brewers history. And I know he doesn't he hasn't eclipsed Dan Plesak in career saves quite yet, but I think it's hard to argue at this point. Going into the season I'd, I'd written that fifteen best pitchers in Brewers history piece. I had Hater below Plesak in that one. But he's already now six for six, seven for seven in save attempts this year. Six for six, yeah. Six for six. Um you know, showing no signs of slowing down. Uh, if if we can't make that argument now, we are awfully damn close to doing it. What do you think, David? Yeah, no, I'm I'm right there with you. I think he's got to be at this point the best reliever in Brewers history. I mean, most of the times over the past, or at least of the years I've been alive to to watch the Brewers, whenever the Brewers get a really good closer, they last like a maximum of two, maybe three years, uh, before they just completely blow out. They become ineffective and the Brewers have to move on and find some other closer. And that happened with so many guys throughout the 2000s and the, uh, I mean, and, and even the, the 2010s. I mean, you had John Axford, your favorite player, I know that. Uh, but, I mean, even still, I mean, okay. he had a really great peak, uh, but he kind of fell off relatively quickly shortly afterwards. And, you know, it's just finding that consistency year after year, you have someone you can depend on uh, in the back end of that bullpen. Uh, that's something that's really kind of rare, I think, in today's game. Uh, you know, relievers are so much turnover nowadays. You know, with guys being good, it's the most volatile position group that there is. So to have someone as consistent and productive as Josh Hader, uh, I think that just speaks volumes as to how incredible he is. And he's won three National League Reliever of the Year awards, Trevor Hoffman awards. And uh, it's only been around for eight years. And he's won three of them. Yeah, and there's no reason to think he's not going to win a fourth at this rate. I mean, he's just destroying the competition. And, yeah, to your points, um, you look at all the names of um, Brewers relievers who were top relievers for the Brewers at one point but then fell off. Like, not just Josh Axford. Jim Henderson was basically one or two years. Derek Turnbow. You can go back as far oh, as... Oh, you started... You yeah, got me on a Turnbow. I know. But, uh, you even go back as far as Bob Wickman and Doug Jones... All of their runs were relatively short. Um, Dan Plesak had, you know, kind of a unique situation in which he wasn't necessarily a full-time closer his entire career, um, so he lasted a little bit longer in that sense. Um, but he was the one who kind of was able to go a little bit longer, which is why he holds that career record. Hater's going to destroy it. He, he should beat it this year. It'll be really close. He would have to set a career mark or a single-season career mark by one 
this season to be able to do it, but I mean, he's started fast, so there's no reason to think that he can't. So to become the Brewers' all-time saves leader in as quickly as he has is amazing. And remember, he was a starter all the way up to the second the Brewers called him up. And just it, just think, it, like, it, I'm sure the conversation didn't go, hey, Josh, we're ready to call you up. Are you prepared to become the best closer the Brewers have ever seen? <laughs> I mean, like, just it, that's insane to think that that's what ended up happening to this guy. But, I mean, all we've seen has been just amazing out of the guy. So, yeah, it, it, it's been a it's been a great career for for Josh, um, and it it continues to get better, man. Just every time he goes out there, still looking good. I, I believe he's added the change up a bit more to his mix this year, um, and it's just. Uh, it's just fun to watch. I know everyone's trying to push. Oh, you know, maybe they could trade him. You know, trade him here, trade him there. Um, Brewers have held on to him, and each time they've done so, they've been they've been proven right so far that it's been a it's been a good move to do so. So, I think that'll do it for uh, this week's uh, Cobra Podcast live here from uh, Nashville, Tennessee, here at First Horizon Park. Uh, we're gonna be spending the weekend here uh, covering these games, um, so it's gonna be a lot of fun. Stay tuned to reviewing the brew for that. Um, and uh, we're excited to be down here, and uh, it's uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So that'll do it for us. Uh, hopefully we'll have uh, some interviews again, no promises, uh, with uh, some Nashville Sounds players down here. But uh, it's going to be a good time this weekend, and we'll see you next time for another episode of the Cold Brew Podcast.